Well, hey, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Innovation Tech Talks brought to you by Omron Healthcare. I'm your host, Corey Knowles. Today, we'll be diving into the wide world of NFTs with Smart Media Technologies' Reeve Collins. Smart Media Technologies has been in the NFT game for quite a while and has taken some innovative approaches to the blockchain world. Reeve, how you doing today, man? Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Oh, good. We're, we're excited. This will be uh, not a new direction, but kind of a direction we haven't taken with NFTs yet because you guys do, looks like some really neat things. I guess to start out, can you tell us a little bit about the history of the company, kind of where it's come from, where you're headed? Absolutely. Just to share a little bit of the history, this has been an evolution. Uh, it's it's amazing to see where, where smart media technologies is today. But I dove deep into the world of NFTs before there was a world of NFTs. Um, and prior to that, my first company in the crypto space was Tether. So as the co-founder and CEO of Tether, created the invented the stablecoin. And then in 2015, we realized that the stable stablecoins are highly regulated and there's going to be a lot of scrutiny and issues around them. And so um, I took a departure from that and, and focused on something at the time that no one ever heard of, which was digital objects. And we wanted to create highly programmable digital objects, which eventually became NFTs. So I really dove into this space and created the first ever technology platform for NFTs before there was the word NFT. And that company evolved into a technology platform called Block V. We did a ICO, raised $22 million. That We raised that money when Ethereum was $190, or I'm sorry, $290. Ethereum wow. went up to $1,200. And so it was this amazing ride where we pulled in a significant amount of Ethereum and actually watched our balance sheet grow to well to almost $70 million. But what that really did for us was give us a significant amount of capital um, to build of extremely robust platform. And that platform was Block V. And then on top of Block V, <laughs> I created Smart Media Technologies. And I'm sharing this history with everyone just so they understand, one, how long I've been in the space, but more importantly, how much money and how much time we've spent in building this enterprise-grade Web3 platform. So again, when we started, there was no word for NFT. There was definitely not even a a thought of Web3, but now over time, it's evolved into what now is something really powerful. We've spent years and a lot of money in creating this platform that will enable global enterprises and global brands and global creators the tools to now participate in this Web3 economy that, that's going to just crash upon the world like a tidal wave. People hear about it and it's building and building, but soon everyone will experience it. And it's really going to be amazing. Oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting, you know. And it's funny because we always think of these topics over like like this happened over this long period of time, but like the period where there wasn't a word for NFT was not that long ago in no. the grand scheme of things. We're we're talking a few years. <laughs> yeah, That's, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's wild. So what's uh what's involved in creating, minting an NFT? Well, it's interesting because at this point in the game, it's, it's, it's off the shelf and, and fairly easy, but it depends on what type of NFT you want to create. So there's very simple ones, which are just images, all the way to highly programmable ones that do a lot more than just be an image. An example I always use is a ticket. So to, in today, a ticket is like a PDF. You pay $200 and you get a PDF. Well, yeah. that's not a very rich experience. In no. the future... A programmable NFT will be a ticket. And why is it programmable? Because now you pay $200 
And instead of just the PDF, you're going to get a video of the artist saying, oh, I'm excited for you to come to my concert. It's going to be amazing. Here's a, a special thank you for, for buying it. Then when you show up, that NFT or now your digital ticket will evolve and it'll say, oh, you're at, you're checking into the concert. Guess what? You're in a drawing to win a seat to, to, to sit in the front row. And for here's seat a, upgrades, a, yeah. Yeah, here's an upgrade. And here's a bonus from Coca-Cola. They're giving you a free Coke and a popcorn. And then after the show, they say, guess what? You to come backstage. And then a week later, it updates again. And it says, here's a compilation of the highlights from the show and a message from the artist saying how wonderful it was. And that becomes your digital keepsake, your ticket stub. It's just this rich media object, and it's a non-fungible token because it's unique. It's one of 1,000 or however many were there, and it becomes valuable. So now you have this ticket stub that has a lot of rich media attached to it that you can buy, sell, and trade on a secondary market and, and make some money from it. And it goes oh, one neat. step further. The reason why that's so important is because let's say the artist now says, they look at their analytics and they can see that 5,000 fans have 100 of these digital ticket stubs. They know that those are their super fans. So then they're going to reach out to them and say, geez, here's a free ticket because you've gone to all these concerts or you've bought them on the secondary market. I know you really care about me. So let me give you something extra. It allows that one-to-one brand fan, brand or artist engagement to the consumer, which was never possible before. That's why NFTs are so powerful and will be such a big part of our future. That's neat. You know, it's interesting you, you talk about the ticket market too, because we were just having a discussion at the office the other day about how digital tickets are just boring and have been for a long time now. Like I remember, you know, collecting tickets. We had a had a uh, like a bulletin board on the wall with all of them pinned up and things. And since they went digital, it's just like, here's the little screenshot for your phone and they're going to scan your barcode. And that's the end of it. I like the idea of seeing that go a direction of becoming more interactive, uh, giving a better fan experience. I think that's, that's a, that's a really cool direction for NFTs. Absolutely. And it's just one of the use cases. There's, there's, there's many more. And what's exciting is there's a ton that we haven't even thought of, right? Because this is still a nascent industry. What surprised us is that the first thing to take off in this world of NFTs was simply collectibles, like basic images, people buying and selling these just basic images because they're going to go up in value. The reality behind why that exploded onto the scene. And it, it kind of took everyone by storm. They're like, I don't get it. Why do people care about an ape or some other random character that people just throw up? I'll tell you exactly why. The reason why it was so popular and so much money poured into it, because it wasn't about collecting. It wasn't about an NFT. It was a new way to gamble. It was a way for the, for, for the world to just play a new type of gambling game where they might make a ton of money. And so everyone poured into it. It's the same thing that happened with the ICO craze in 2017. People had no idea what the companies did. They didn't care. A new token came out. People poured in and tried to sell it more for later. It's the exact same mechanism that happened in this NFT 1.0 boom. It really was gambling. There wasn't a lot of value to the majority of those projects, but yeah. people were excited about it. So there was a ton of entertainment value, and that's that's worth something. Yeah. I've thought for a long time that that five years down the road, we're going to look back on the ape phase of NFTs and kind of NFTs and kind of laugh about how that was so just the tip of the iceberg for these and what they can do with regard to 
many, many aspects of life. Yeah. It's definitely not going to be five years down the road. It might be five weeks down the road. It might be five (laughs) weeks. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing's happened in two years. So (laughs) yeah, I noticed with, um, with your application, you've decided to keep it mobile native. Uh, when a desktop application seems like the obvious answer. And I was curious as to why the decision to stay mobile centric. Well, we live in a mobile first world, so it it absolutely works on desktop and you can interact with our, our wallets and the objects, but it's, it's really geared towards a mobile user because that is where everyone's first access point is to a lot of these experiences. It's through their phone or through their, their devices. Um, and so that's why it's important. That it's really optimized for that type of screen, but it, 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 it absolutely works on the desktop as well. It's just nice. important to really cater to that type of user. Well, you know, and the, the mobile option also tends to be more, uh, I, I find something that comes out mobile first tends to be easier to operate, easier to understand and find your workflow through, uh, and, and I feel like that's important because there are some softwares for this kind of stuff that are more difficult. Yeah. And also it really depends on, on the use cases. Like our technology is specifically optimized for large brands and agencies. We're there. We build a technology platform to power these kind of global agencies that have lots of brands under them. How do they enable the brands to participate in this Web3 economy? And what does that mean? Well, it means that well, the reason why I'm saying this is because it's, it's not our, our main audience and target isn't for the average user to go in and create NFTs. There's lots of other solutions for that. What we focus on is providing tools for, for big global brands to be able to do it for their consumers and for yeah. them to participate in Web3. In the past, it was always a race for the inbox. Brands always wanted to get your email address so they could send you email. Well, what'd you get? You got email, you got information, you got spam. It was really worthless. Now, Web3, it's going to be a race for the wallet. You're still going to give an email address, but that email address is going to have a wallet attached to it. So now the brands will be able to give you objects of value. They'll be able to provide you interactive and fun experiences, whereas in the past, all they could give you is information. So it changes the the, the entire dynamic of that brand to consumer relationship. It turns it into one of value versus one of annoyance, because really all that email was was annoying. And never yeah. before, yeah, until now, did they did brands even have the tools to be able to provide actual value, tangible value, actual money to an individual for his actions or, or what they do with that brand's IP and that brand's um, uh, different properties of the brand. So it's really exciting. That's a good point. I never thought about it with comp- compared to like email marketing. Cause you know, the interesting thing about email marketing is, is the people I, I have, I have like multiple email addresses. One is the email address I give to someone that I will never check and hope I never have to hear from them. And I have another one that is where things I might actually care about go to and I get their spam, but I never ever look at it. Yeah, I, I, I just never go in and look if there's something specific I'm after I do. But it, and it's just because email has become such a bombarding way of life. Uh, it's it's there all day. It's dinging every second you're awake and when you're not. And uh, uh, that, that's an interesting idea. I never thought of that 
coming to a, a central wallet of sorts where uh, it's an interesting direction. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And here's one more point to drive that home for you. Think about the dollar amount that's spent in online advertising. These brands spend over $100 billion a year just in online advertising. Guess who gets all $100 billion of that? It's the middlemen, <laughs> right? So absolutely, Fang, like Facebook and, and Google and Apple and, and like all, that, all those big companies, um, they get the majority of it. But in addition, it's the planning and buying the software and the technology to place the ads, attract the ads and do the analytics. So it's all yeah. the middlemen. They suck out 100% of that value. And what do you and I get? What do the consumers get who those brands are actually trying to reach? We get annoyed because we get well, ads in front of get. everything that we do. So finally, we have a way to, to turn that on its head and say, hey, brand, you're spending all this money on advertising that's getting sucked out by middlemen and your, your consumer gets nothing. Now they can put that money into a digital object. That can be an experience, a coupon access. It can be a collectible. It can be anything that they want it to be, but it can actually have real value and they can give it directly to the consumer. And so that $100 billion can end up, the majority of it can end up in consumers' pockets to then interact with the brand. It's like if you purchase one thing, get another one for free. If you send it to five friends, get two for free. Whatever structure they want, we now have the technology to make that happen. So it just at the end of the day means a better experience for the consumer and one that provides the consumer real world value. It means we're getting a little something better in exchange for the data that's being taken from us every day. Yeah. And today Facebook gets all that money and tomorrow the consumer will. And that's good. That's good. Today's episode of Innovation Tech Talks is brought to you by Omron. Omron is a world leader in technology designed to solve social issues, improve lives, and build a better tomorrow. They serve a range of industries which utilize their technologies to innovate and grow factory automation, healthcare, mobility, and energy management. In the industrial automation business, Omron Technology demonstrates the power of machines to unleash human potential, pursuing the ideal in automation, in which people and machines are working together in harmony. Omron provides sensing, control, safety, vision, motion, and robotics technologies for the automotive, food and beverage packaging, semiconductor, electronics, life sciences, and infrastructure industries. For over 80 years, Omron has helped industrial businesses maximize potential by solving problems with creativity. Learn more, go to automation.omron.com. Something I wanted to mention is your, your website mentions, and we've discussed this a little bit already, but your website mentions that your NFTs change depending on the device they're accessed in. Can you tell me a little about that? That intrigues me. Sure, because when you think about a digital object, it holds a lot of value for you. So, so think about a video game, for instance. Let's say that you're in this immersive world and you're playing a game and you have a weapon. Well, that weapon is going to actually fire and do a bunch of things because you're in the video game. But let's say that you're not in that immersive world, but you still access that on your wallet. And so it's a three-dimensional interactive object when it's in the game, but now you're just showing your buddy your collection of weapons and it's just a two-dimensional image. And then yeah. you're saying, guess what? Let me drop it over here on the map. And now it becomes an augmented reality image. So now you have this machine gun and you just drop it on the map. Someone else can pick it up because it's, it's actually transferring the ownership. You have the ability to place it on a map if you want. And you can even say, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping this virtually on the map so someone else can find it in augmented reality. And they can even have to pay $10 for it. So if they want to pick it up, they actually pay you the $10. 
Oh, nice. So you have the ability to, to so that goes from augmented reality to just a regular video game to flat image on your phone. And then you could, you know, put on VR goggles and then that same object would, would have VR um, characteristics as well. And you'd be able to interact with it in that environment. Oh, that's very interesting. AR intrigues me. I, I feel like, uh, like, like VR got all the hype for the last heck 20 years waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it. Uh, but to me, augmented reality seems like a fascinating direction that, that is going to be the one that really explodes in the long run. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, I, I, it, absolutely. Well, I think augmented reality will, will get a lot more traction in the short run before VR. Have you seen the movie free guy? You know what? I think I have. Is that the one about the NPC? The yeah, with Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Yeah. Great, great movie. <laughs> great movie. And I, I recommend everyone to watch it because it's entertaining and fun. But the reason why I say that it's because there's a great scene when he, when he puts on the glasses and looks around and sees, sees all these things in augmented reality. Cause he, it, it's like a, a live video game and then he sees everything in augmented reality and collects these coins and different things. I believe that's a good visual representation of what our future looks like. You'll be able to put these glasses on and you'll go around collecting things. It will enable us to gamify the world. We'll gamify yeah. a lot of our average uh, interactions and our average tasks. Um, and so it's just kind of a futuristic version of, of what that looks like. Yeah. And the gamification it, thing is big. Yeah, it really is. It's the same example I use for, for for VR. So when I talk about VR and people are like, well, what's that? And so everyone, that's the, you know, Ready Player One. So people yeah. watch Ready Player One. They're like, well, that's VR in the future. And so I think Free Guy is a good example of AR in the future. Yeah. Yeah. AR will be what we do when we're not in VR. <laughs> yeah. When you go to the grocery store and things or, uh, you know, I remember there was, there was a video on YouTube a while back of, of someone walking through town, going through a grocery store, going out. And when they clicked their headset on, you know, there were coupons over here. There were all kinds of things to interact with. There were ads everywhere, but <laughs> as there probably would be too, but it was, it was really interesting to see the angle that took in like yeah. a real world setting. Absolutely. And let me touch on that because you mentioned something that is everyone's fear. And I've been in the digital ad space since the advent of digital ads. I was at the first ever online advertising agency in 1997. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've been in this world for a long time. But uh, I believe the future actually is going to be a little more rosy on that front and it won't be so ad supported. And the reason being is due to cryptocurrencies. We don't need to have ads everywhere when, when the people, this is web three. So today, the only way you can monetize websites is through advertising or through the user's data. So Facebook yeah. does both. They, they get a lot of money based on selling our data, but they sell our data to give us more ads. But in the mm -hmm. future, now the website has the ability to reward you for actions, to reward you for contributing. So imagine you get paid a few pennies every time you upload a video or a, a, a blog post or a photo or make a comment or send a like, you actually make money. And therefore, every time you access someone else's content or every time you read a, a blog that someone wrote or a video someone posted, it costs you a few cents. So now there's this economy where since you're contributing, you're getting paid. And since you're getting paid, you then have this, this currency to pay to access. Therefore, it removes like 
a lot of the need for having ads everywhere. So ideally in the future, it'll be a more, um, the, less you, there won't be so many ads and, and people will be paid for their contributions and, and pay for the information they take. And therefore it'll just be a better experience overall. That's the future that I'm trying to build and that I'm hoping for. That's really interesting. That's a, it's a concept I haven't thought of one that would even do away with the need for things like paywalls and memberships. Even it would almost. Right. Like be you don't need the, paywall. Type system. the paywall will be a little different. The paywall, they'll, they'll still be access. There'll be access tokens, but it'll be an NFT. So if you want the wall street journal, if you want to access wall street journal, you need the wall street journal NFT and maybe you only want to access it for a little while. So you pay 10 bucks, you get this NFT but then you can sell it later for $10 or $8 or maybe $12. Um, you know, it just depends. But but whoever holds that, because everything will be token gated. So you'll, yeah. you'll, start, you'll start hearing token gating instead of paywalled because you have to have the token to access things. Interesting. Interesting. That's a, that's a term I haven't heard yet, but one that I feel like I will hear a lot about over the next few years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Token gating. So uh, another quick question. It seems like there are a variety of things that make an NFT created through your platform different from what I'm seeing elsewhere. Can you kind of uh, run through maybe anything we haven't already mentioned or discussed that that sets yours apart? Yeah, we've spent a lot of time and a lot of money and attention to enabling the creation of these NFTs to be highly programmable. So what that means, it's like an app. You know, in the beginning, everyone didn't really understand what apps were. And there was always these ads. Well, there's an app for that, right? An app can do anything. An, ads, an app is kind of this, this small program that does what it's programmed to do, but it's, 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 you're only limited by your creativity. It's the yeah. same with our NFTs. They're micro apps. They're, the, they're, they're apps that you own. So you can program these digital objects to do complex things. Um, like I use the example of the ticket where that app kind of changes state before, during, and after an event. Another one would be, well, it's really around changing state. So, so take a simple digital collectible of a baseball card. It updates every time there's new stats. It updates there's new videos and images. And so these things, they, they have event listeners. They listen to the internet. They update. They just add more metadata, add more rich media, and they grow over time. And they become more compelling and more interesting and more interactive. And so we have yeah. the underlying technology to enable all of those things. And it, it was a complex undertaking to deliver that. And on top of that, we're at a level where we also have the ability, because when you deal with these global organizations, the level of due diligence they do on both a technical due diligence and then a legal due diligence is quite, quite extensive. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. you have to imagine how deep the tech stack goes and how bulletproof it is to, to, to live up to those standards. So that's really what we bring that differentiates us from others. Okay. That's interesting because uh, what you're doing is, is quite different from everything else I'm seeing. Yeah. On a, on a side note, I read you guys just did a neat project with PBR, the professional bull riders. Yes. Wondered if you could maybe tell us a little about it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really fun and interesting uh, uh, activation for sure. We partnered with uh, PBR and it actually has a very rabid fan base um, internationally. Oh, yeah. yeah, internationally as well. Where, where we've created, you know, own your own team. You can, you can buy, you can collect NFTs. So the bulls are NFTs, the riders are NFTs. You can combine them. So you can create a fantasy team, this bull with that rider, and you stack your deck 
So you 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 put the team, you know, you, you create your fantasy team, and then it updates every week when there's a new um, bull riding tournament, and it updates the stats, and you see how your your team did, and you can win various prizes and things. It's like NFT fantasy bull riding. It, that's exactly what it is. Yes, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. What a neat idea. I, I had heard, I read something, but I, I wasn't completely full on how it works. So I was anxious to ask you about that. I was, uh, I was in Vegas once when the PBR's annual and the big tournament. Is. Yeah. I don't think it's even in Vegas now, but um, those people, there's so many of them. I had no idea how many oh, people yeah. would come flock to one city to watch the PBR event. It really kind of opened my eyes to what a just massive sporting event that is. It's actually pretty amazing. Once you watch it, you're like, well, Jesus, these guys really, not only are they real athletes, but they're also insane. So. They're also <laughs> insane. Yeah. 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 I grew up in a country where, you know, we had little, little rodeos on the side of the highway and things where on Wednesday nights, you'd go out for cattle roping and some bull riding and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, I can <laughs> confirm those, those people are a little crazy. Well, to get on a bull and risk your life for that is it's it's a scary thing to do. That's for sure. When you're standing on perfectly good earth that doesn't <laughs> need where you just don't need that, but to to want to get up there takes a takes a unique kind of individual. Yeah. Oh, uh, so uh, Reeve, where can people go to learn more about Smart Media Technologies? Yeah, definitely SmartMediaTech.io um, on our our show our social channels, smartmediatech.xyz and uh, Instagram and, and all those fun places. And, and feel free to connect with me on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn and, and everywhere else. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited to really participate in this economy, pave the way for Web3, and hopefully deliver some extraordinary technology to the world. It looks like that's exactly what you guys are doing. I, I'm anxious to see where it heads from here. So we'll be, we'll be keeping up with you and maybe somewhere down the road, we'll do this again and do a good catch up interview. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I'd like to thank all of our listeners, viewers for taking some time out to join us today. Please give us a like and a share when you can and check back for more, more cool interviews in the future. Also, please grab an issue of innovation and in tech today at your local newsstand or online. You get a free digital subscription simply by signing up at Inatech today, and we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for watching.